The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, student media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC This week's Eye on the Triangle on WKNC FM Raleigh. It is February 8th, 2017. The time is 5.06 p.m. And on behalf of the team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan, bringing you all this week's episode of Eye on the Triangle. I'm so excited about all of the pieces our contributors have created for this week. Nick brings you his modest mouth review. This week he reviewed the album Feel Your Feelings, Fool, by the regrets and also he's airing his first episode of tuned out his brand new podcast yeah talking to some uh, musicians we've got uh charles and sk uh both of which are or were underground directors here at wknc so that's fun uh, after that we've got uh, jake winners who's bringing you snow rated this week he reviews the film four months three weeks and two days and of course first uh marissa brings you a look at some local news North Carolina State University, Raleigh, NC. In light of President Trump's recent executive order limiting immigration, NC State Chancellor Randy Woodson has issued a statement about how this could potentially impact NC State. The executive order limits immigrant and non-immigrant visa holders from Iraq, Syria, Iran, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen from entering the United States for 90 days. The order also directed the suspension of refugee admission programs, for 120 days and suspended all refugee processing of Syrian nationals. Chancellor Woodson urged the student body to continue to treat all students with respect, regardless of the order. He wrote, The overall results of this decision on the NC State community and more broadly remain unclear. Already this weekend, two federal courts ruled against part of the executive order issuing stays that temporarily block the deportation of individuals who have arrived at U.S. airports with valid visas. Other lawsuits are reported to be filed this week. In total, 170 students and visiting scholars could be potentially affected by the order. Chancellor Woodson ended the statement by saying, To all of our international students, especially those from countries identified in the executive order, please know that you are welcome and valued as part of the NC State community. We encourage you to purposefully and passionately continue pursuing your educational dreams and contributing to the scholarship that embodies our think-and-do mantra. Also, please don't hesitate to connect with advisors, counselors, professors, or any of the many caring people at NC State who are here to provide support and help you be successful. Raleigh, North Carolina. Less than two weeks after his inauguration, President Trump's recent policy decisions are having some unexpected side effects. In North Carolina and across the country, they're fueling an unprecedented level of public participation. Groups like the American Civil Liberties Union and Planned Parenthood report millions in fundraising and thousands of new members. 
Mike Menno with the ACLU of North Carolina says that the historic support will help his group carry out its mission through this new administration. Groups like the ACLU are going to do what we can, as always, to hold the government accountable, to work through the court system. But in order to do this work, we really rely on the support of our members. Menno says nationally, membership has doubled since the election, with more than a million ACLU members across the country. Groups like his will use the donation dollars to advocate for people who might be adversely affected by President Trump's executive orders in Congress and in court. Planned Parenthood South Atlantic says it has seen a 15% increase in online donations and applications from volunteers have increased from a dozen a month to more than 100. Spokesperson Sarah Eldred says with an energized base, the organization has renewed strength. People are getting engaged in ways that do last a long time. So they're starting volunteer opportunities where they're engaging their neighbors and they're throwing house parties and meetings and It's going to be a long fight, but I think our volunteers so far, from what we've seen, are in it for the long haul. Menno believes many people have relearned a valuable lesson about the importance of taking their views beyond the ballot box. More and more people are realizing that in a true democracy, our role as citizens doesn't simply end when we cast our ballots on Election Day, and that it's absolutely necessary that we, the people, hold officials accountable. In addition to donating and volunteering, people are turning out at protests and marches. More than half a million attended the Women's March on Washington, and 17,000 were at the Sister March in Raleigh. Next Saturday, a big crowd is expected at the annual Historic Thousands on Jones Street March, HK on J, in Raleigh, involving more than 200 organizations. Asheville, North Carolina. Water is a primary resource for thousands of North Carolina businesses, from craft breweries to fishing guides. More than 200 groups and individuals have signed an amicus brief urging a federal court to uphold the clean water rule. North Carolina's clean water is a valuable commodity for thousands of businesses across the state, including New Belgium Brewing and Asheville. The fourth largest craft brewery in the U.S. is one of 234 businesses that joined an amicus brief this week urging a federal court to uphold the clean water rule finalized in 2015. Jen Vervier with New Belgium explains why water is so important to the company's future success. Groups like the ACLU are going to do what we can, as always, to hold the government accountable, to work through the court system. But in order to do this work, we really rely on the support of our members. Last month, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear the case challenging the clean water rule which more clearly defines what is covered under the Clean Water Act. At least six other North Carolina businesses joined the appeal. The brief was filed in the Sixth Circuit Court of Cincinnati by the Environment America Research and Policy Center and the American Sustainable Business Council. Richard Edland with the American Sustainable Business Council explains why clean water is a business issue. People are getting engaged in ways that do last a long time. So they're starting volunteer opportunities where they're engaging their neighbors and they're throwing house parties and meetings. And it's going to be a long fight, but I think our volunteers so far, from what we've seen, are in it for the long haul. Vervier adds that recent developments under the Trump administration add further complications for businesses that count on clean water. More and more people are realizing that in a true democracy, our role as citizens doesn't simply end when we 
cast our ballots on Election Day, and that it's absolutely necessary that we, the people, hold officials accountable. According to the Environment America Research and Policy Center, implementing the Clean Water Rule would generate over $400 million annually in economic benefits, and more than 80% of small business owners support the implementation of the rule. I'm Marissa Jern for Eye on the Triangle. Hi there. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be an up-and-coming musician? Or maybe you just want to hear your favorite artists chat for a while. Either way, welcome to Tuned Out, your new favorite place to hear almost an hour of off-the-clock chatter from artists and musicians making their way in the scene today. I'm your host, Nick Weaver, and welcome to the show. All right. Hello and welcome to uh, the first episode of this podcast about musicians. Title to be determined. We haven't come up with anything good yet. What's written on the sheet is terrible. So I've been told. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, uh, for the first episode, I have with me here in the studio, SK and Charles, also known as DJ Iron Mike. What up? What up? What up, though? So uh, in the house, baby. Yeah. (laughs) You guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves in your own way. Just talk about like who you are and what you do. I am SK the novelist. I am from Asheville. Uh, moved here. What? Is that not cool enough? <clears throat> Charles is shaking his head like I'm not cool enough. What up? What up? This is SK from Asheville. Um, yeah, I moved here about a year and a half ago. Uh, I've been making hip hop for a couple years. Uh, my career has been going downhill since I met Iron Mike, but you know, <laughs> trying to pick it up. So, um, yeah. What about you? What's good? I'm, what's good? I'm DJ Iron Mike. Iron Mike. Um, I'm from the Bronx. Moved down here to Raleigh like five years ago. Started coming to NC State. I've been doing music since I was like, shoot, since I was like 14. Started out DJing, um, doing like turntablism and stuff like that, making beats like that down in the Bronx, um, like nightclubs and all that kind of stuff. Everybody in the Bronx raps. That's just something you do. <laughs> so, I mean. Got to find know. a way to get by, right? Yeah, man. It's just something you do. Like, you know, you're just chilling on the block in the summertime and you just, you know, spit some rhymes just to, just to, just to, just for fun. So, um, yeah, like got out of, I went, went, to, went away to the army for a little while, came out, started coming here at NC State and started actually doing it, putting it down. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting to think about. You were in the army for a while there, um, and you started your your rapping before, like you went into that. Did that yeah. actually influence like your your style? Any? Did you like work on your music while you were in the army? Did you come up with like you know uh, raps around that sort of thing? Absolutely. Like that was like you know because in the army, like it's not all like you know moving a hundred miles an hour like constantly. Like you you do a lot of sitting around <laughs> doing absolutely nothing. And like, cause like all the all the cool stuff you see on like the commercials and like the promotion, like the promotions and stuff. Like we always joke about it, cause it's like for that like five minute segment of something cool happening, there's like five hours of doing absolutely nothing. So yeah, like my friends and I, like you know, I made friends that that were into hip hop too, and we'd sit around and just like kick freestyles and talk nonsense and stuff. 
But I never really like actually like seriously wrote about anything. It was always just kind of like freestyles, like stuff that I'd like build in my head, and you know, like making fun of like our squad leader. Mm. <laughs> so you started getting serious after you uh, came to NC State, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like all of my experiences from before the army and after the army kind of had me in like a weird place as an adult. You know, like I had a lot of like it was really like a, a good way of how I how I was able to like get acclimated to being a civilian again. Like, like you know, you come coming from like the hood and doing some of the stuff that I did <laughs> as a kid, and then you know going away to the army to get away from that kind of stuff, and then getting out. Like I never really had like a time where I was just not like doing something that was like crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. When I got out and I was I I moved here to Raleigh and it's so slow and I don't have to worry about like hood <laughs> stuff or like you know about like army kind of stuff like I was able to really decompress and like kind of just like you know really kind of process everything that I've gone through and hip hop like being able to like just like practice and like put it down on paper and rap about it and stuff was like really big for me to like become a civilian. Yeah, I mean that's cool. I mean you know. Uh, you said it's, it's been a while since you've been doing crazy stuff, but like <laughs> being in the music scene is crazy, man. You it know, is. it's it just, is. it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, you, you gotta have it. You gotta work hard and it's just, it's ever evolving. You gotta keep up with it. You know, um, SK, um, as your bio writer for Wolf Tracks, uh, yeah. full disclosure here, <clears throat> uh, I know both of them through Wolf Tracks. It's pretty much the only way I make contact. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. SK is your bio writer. I know a little bit about your history. Uh, you were the, correct me if I'm wrong here, co-creator of AVL, AVL Battlegrounds. Yes, yes. And that was in Asheville, right? Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, me and my homie Filthy, we... Um, well, we, we, we've always been like a fan of uh, battle rap, you know, and then one day me and him kind of like, we're like, yo, let's, you know, let's meet up in the backyard, have all the homies around and uh, and just do a little little battle back and forth and, and see what happens, you know. And then we did that and a couple of the people were like, yo, this is a really good idea. Like we should expand upon this and, you know, shout out uh, Mike Live. Um, he, he was there at the, uh, at the backyard event and he h- hooked us up with... Um, our next venue, which was the Orange Peel. So if you've ever been to Asheville, that's like the second biggest venue in Asheville. What, what um, is that like, the Orange Peel? Um, what does the name imply exactly? I don't, you know, I don't know where it came from. That's funny. Um, it's just so Asheville. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just randomly like titled nonsense. Something with a beer or something, probably. Yeah, something with beer. You know, beers get the oranges. Yeah, that absolutely yeah. sounds like Asheville to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But as far as, like, the experience of it, it was, like, absolutely crazy because, you know, we literally went from a backyard to um, we brought, like, 300 people in the in the door. You know, well, me and me and Mike walked around all day handing out tickets. But, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we, we definitely brought in some people and um, being on, like, that big of a stage was just, like, it was, like, wow. But, but yeah, we, we had a couple more events uh, out in Asheville, and then we actually, me and Iron Mike just had our first event out here in Raleigh, uh, December 29th, um, last year. And, uh, it, it was dope, man. We brought in like 180 people, probably something like that. We, we packed out Neptunes. I mean, it was, it was wild. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so shout out all the people who've been on board helping, helping out with that. 
Right. And so your involvement with AVL, did that get you, uh, did that propel you into getting like gigs and, and working like as a serious musician or did, uh, did you start, you know, trying to work your way into the scene and like climb up the ladder before you started up AVL? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, like if you're from Asheville, like you better do some art of some, some type, you know what I'm saying? Like if not, it's kind of like, you're just that weirdo that, that creeps on people in downtown. Like you got to find a hobby. You're either one of those two hey, people. What if creeping on people in downtown is your hobby. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Don't there's discriminate. That or, there's different types or, of art. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to be a weirdo no matter what. You might as well be a musician. So people want to hang out with you. Um, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, when I was, all right. So I was. This isn't as cool as Charlie's story, but uh, I was, I'll just go ahead and tell you that right now. Um, I was, uh, <laughs> I was working at a grocery store um, and then I met, I met Filthy, the philosopher uh, out, out there, you know, also my, my partner for AVL Battlegrounds, but this was way before then we met up and, and one day we just started uh, ciphering, um, you know, freestyling and stuff. And, and next thing you know, I mean, we, we both went in on a mic together, like a, a microphone, and we um, just started recording some demos. And uh, then I started, like, after I graduated high school, I started having a little bit more time on my hands because um, I was out at community college out there. And, and uh, and yeah, I started, we took it more serious. I started getting into the whole, like, mixing and mastering thing, knowing how to make really high-quality music. And then, um, then we did our, our first, or my first music video for uh, Let the Trumpet Tell the Story. Um, out there, I was, I think I was about, uh, 19. Yeah. So, and then from then on, I just been trying to like focus on doing entire projects and, uh, somewhere along the way when we did AVL battlegrounds, um, yeah, that really propelled us cause, cause, cause you get your three battles, but, but the thing about us that I don't really see other leagues doing is, is having musicians do, um, like, like, uh, 20 minute slots in between that doing like actual music performance. So, um, whenever I wasn't in a battle, I would perform. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it just, it's always kind of given a platform for that. If I choose to perform, sometimes I just host. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely like propelled my involvement in, in the rap scene for sure. So, yeah. yeah. I, hope I, I hope I answered me. your question. Yeah. What does AVL stand for? It's Asheville. It's just like a that oh. acronym of oh, Asheville. So it's There's not no, like, clever. Yeah. It's not <laughs> as clever as, Yeah. Yeah, but we are um, we're we are switching our brand over soon. Um, there's a um, a thing we kind of <clears throat> been dragging along the way called First in Flight, but Flight as in F L Y T E, and it's not just stupidly misspelling it to be cool. Um, flight is actually an ancient form of competitive poetry uh, found in like ancient societies, like it goes way back to Greece and and all sorts of stuff, and uh, Essentially, poets would get together and competitively use poetry to like roast each other in front of like entire arenas of people, and uh, and yeah, that was called flight. So we blended first in flight, the North Carolina slogan, to first in flight, like flight poetry, and uh, yeah, that that's a little more clever, I guess, than AVL battle. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, that's, uh... we're gonna be switching that over. Um, we've had a couple events under that title. Um, but we're actually going to be switching that over to the name of the league soon. Um, I'm going to push for that whenever we do, but for now it's still AVL Battlegrounds, but yeah, so. Cool. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned this before, uh, but what propelled you to, uh, to move to Raleigh from Asheville? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, 
I was, uh, you know, out in community college and I knew I wanted to go to a university to get my bachelor's. Um, so I, I picked NC State. I always knew I wanted NC State. So I'm out here getting a business entrepreneurship um, degree. So, cool. And yeah. uh, Charles, you recently graduated, but that was that your degree or what was it? What do you mean that? Well, yeah, like <laughs> I, uh, I, I, when I got out of the army, I wanted to go, I wanted to go back to school. That was like my biggest like goal because if you live in New York and you're trying to go to school and not having a full-time job, you got to live with your parents <laughs> and I can't live with, I can't, I love my moms. I know you'd be listening to this, but I can't live with you. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I, I wanted, I wanted Chapel Hill like most people. And I didn't get in. I feel that. Pain. And then I had I, I got to learn. I got to know NC State, and um, took some classes part time to get acclimated and get like, got in, and I got my degree in uh, public relations last in in uh in December this past December. Gotcha. I was way off with that degree prediction. Uh, what? You thought, <laughs> what? You, I thought you had the same thing as SK. My nah, I have, I have the uh, arts entrepreneurship minor though. Shout outs to Doctor B. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I have that too. So I guess it is Shout worth mentioning you. Uh, you're one of the co-founders of Wolf Tracks, uh, as per you know the, oh, the pretty group. much. I mean, like you know, there, there's always arguments about who founded Wolf Tracks, <laughs> but yeah, I am. Go ahead with your question. I'm sorry. I mean, I <laughs> I'm not pointing uh, fingers. I'm just saying, like, uh, you were in that class with like the the main people that were there at the start with, uh, I guess, Grisha and uh, was it Alyssa and a couple other people? Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, and that uh, I guess we could talk about Wolf Tracks for just a minute because uh, that's what unites us all here. Um, just uh, Charles, you want to spell it out just a little bit? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Wolf Tracks Music Group. It's the um, it's pretty much the organization we started here on NC State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, it's the organization we started that is that that works as a um, full service management firm. For artists that are students and off campus that aren't like non-students to NC State, basically a bunch of us who have worked in the music industry in some way locally, or have taken a lot of coursework that can help artists get together, and we like help them create business operations for themselves as artists instead of just kind of like you know willy nilly trying to get shows around town and not really having a plan like business. We have business school majors. We have communications majors. We got arts majors, design majors. So we pretty much take what we're learning and we put it into real into real world use for something that like, you know, who doesn't want to work in music? So, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And uh, one of our most recent uh, recruits, or I guess not most recent, but, you know, we recently picked up uh, Pat Jr. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that was a, I mean, very I guess, relative yeah. on the recent. Re yeah, but, uh, yeah. I thought it was just worth mentioning because he's kind of he's kind of blowing up right now a little bit, right? Yeah, Pat's doing his thing, man. He, um, you know, he came, he came. I met him from at a show that I did with Anderson Burris last January, like exactly a year ago, and he came up to my sh up to my radio show here at WKNC, and we chopped it up. He was really cool. We hit it off. And I told him, I've just mentioned Wolf Tracks to him. And he was, like, surprisingly down for it. Like, like, oh, man, I wanted, like, I didn't even ask if he wanted to be a part of it. And he was like, that sounds really cool. I was like, yeah, we'd love to have you in here. Because, like, you know, he's established around around here, like, in Raleigh. And, like, um, 
the relationship's been really good. Like we helped him out with his uh with his listening party. Um, we're helping them put together some promotional things. We got some big plans. So. Yeah, I'm specifically making his e-press kit next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the episode's over. No wait, there's more. To hear the full uncut version, you can go to blog.wknc.org. This podcast and the others to come will be listed under the tuned out podcast section. We now resume your weekly Eye on the Triangle programming. Hello and welcome. I'm Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle, and you are listening to the Modest Mouth Review. Welcome back, ladies and gents. Indeed, after a long hiatus, the Modest Mouth Review is back and ready for action. This week, we'll be taking a look at an album that debuted a little earlier this month by The Regrets. It's their first album, and the title is Feel Your Feelings, Fool. Now, before we get started, the first question, as always, is, who are The Regrets? Well, they're an L.A.-based punk rock-ish band with a screw-you attitude. I say punk rock-ish because, in my opinion, they're more like your average garage rock feminist-centric indie act than punk. I'll get to that later. For now, the group is headlined by lead vocalist Lydia Knight, who writes all of the songs as well. Oh, and the group is signed to Warner Brothers Records. That's about all you need to know. The fact that they're on the Warner label was kind of surprising to me, since that's a pretty big label, but I suppose the spirit of Indy is present with these folks. I digress. So, back to the group's genre. Yes, they do have some elements of punk. Angry and overdriven vocals, progressive ideals embedded in their lyrics, ceaseless rebellion, and grungy guitars. But I think their overall sound really just doesn't match up with what I consider punk to be. You know, well, punk. They're more like a mixture of Girlpool and Cherry Glazer than Fiddler or Dead Kennedys. Admittedly, I don't have the most vast knowledge of punk in the world, but when I hear these guys, I feel like it's only halfway there. So there's that, but I suppose it's only fair that I talk about their sound a bit more in depth so you can make your own conclusion. The Regrets use a very traditional rock setup. Heavily distorted guitars, mildly overdriven vocals, a basic drum kit, and some barely noticeable bass. Their songs are mostly upbeat, but not really fast or frenetic. The rhythm is pretty steady 4-4 or 6-8 without wild variance in tempo or rhythmic composition. When the guitars aren't almost completely drowning out the rest of the band with basic power chords, the songs are propelled by Knight's vocals and occasionally a touch of harmony. Now, I think it's no mystery at this point that I'm not a huge fan of this band. Usually I'd follow up that statement with something along the lines of how they're probably really great to some people, but frankly, I can't see much value in this band beyond being a Spotify playlist filler or a temporary fix while you wait for a much better artist to drop a new album. The whole album is very repetitive and fairly bland, with the only real standout moments being a humorous monologue-type intro for one of the songs, and the band's mock rendition of Push It by Salt and Peppa interjected into one of the bridges. Put simply, the musical stylings of The Regrets are incredibly standard. As a whole, I really think there's only one thing that keeps this band from going immediately into the rubbish heap. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty of what I think is probably the main and only real draw of this band. The lyrics. Knight's lyrics are, according to the frontwoman herself, a diary entry into the last year of her life. They're very personal and to the right person I'm sure very compelling. I didn't connect with them, but I think for the right person they might strike a chord. 
They're very pointed and somewhat silly and satirical while also carrying the message of a personal struggle. Knight's lyrics speak mostly about her experiences with sexism and societal expectations for women, as well as touching on LGBT issues and just general rebellion. And just general rebellion. They're silly and quirky and at times fairly thought-provoking. The upside to this is that, like I said before, for the right crowd, those lyrics are going to hit hard and resonate really well. The downside is that, for anyone that's not in that fairly small crowd that enjoys the group's musical stylings along with the satirical and rambunctious delivery of their lyrics, there's really nothing to connect with. The music alone can't carry the band, and the lyrics and feel are only really appealing to a certain type of indie head. To add to this, even the lyrics don't really provide anything new to the indie scene. The Regrets aren't playing anything that hasn't been done before, and significantly better, by their precursors. Overall, I'm going to have to go for a less than stellar rating of 1 on a scale from negative 2 to 7. That equates to what I would call a fairly generous 4 out of 10. The Regrets have some fairly interesting lyrical ideas, and perhaps those will resonate with some folks out there, but in the end you're really just better off with any number of other bands that sound vaguely similar. There's just no real musical depth to this album, and it's only held afloat by its targeted lyrics and attitude. But hey, if you want to find out for yourself, go right ahead. I've been wrong before, and maybe this is one of those times. The name of the album is, once again, Feel Your Feelings Fool by The Regrets, spelled like the second half of the word suffragettes. Once again, that's Feel Your Feelings Fool by The Regrets. That's all for today. I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Lens, Klesk, Floatstar, Meerkat, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. As always, you can send in a review request by emailing publicaffairs at wknc.org or by sending a tweet to at wknc underscore EOT. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. Hello, this is Jake Winters for Iron the Triangle. This is Stover Rated, and today I will be taking a look at the film Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. This film takes you on a wild ride of emotion that I think conveys what a lot of people have tried to explain in words far better than those words ever have. This movie is a great example of when film triumphs over written word. The movie starts by keeping the reader deep in the dark about the subject. Something that isn't supposed to be going on is definitely going on, and that's about all you know. Money is brought up, random people we have no reference for, and the setting is odd to say the least. You wonder where you are for at least a good minute, which is not too unusual at the start of a film, but not having setting and context of a conversation is, to say the least, disorienting. Not only is the setting not immediately identifiable beside a room of two girls, it is also within a foreign setting. The language spoken in the film is Romanian, which I have to say is a very interesting language. It it lies at the crossroads of Slavic and Romance, containing the grammar of a Romance language with many loanwords from Slavic tongues. So, beside the fact that you don't know where you are and you have not much of a clue as to what the characters are talking about, the film is foreign. 
Of course not for all, but in this context, I feel safe saying that it will feel foreign. The area is a little beat down like many post-Soviet countries are, but it isn't unorganized and it isn't falling apart. Maybe just a little old is a better description. The film goes on for quite some time without revealing what is really going on, but we find out the girls are students and that one of the girls has a boyfriend also attending class at the university. They lead very average lives, so the film begs the question, what could they be doing that is so secretive? Surely it's not a big matter, and rather they are exaggerating their problems. One thing I love about this movie is its use of title. So many works of art, not just film, forget to use their title effectively, and this film does it in a nice way. They take that you must know the title of the beginning of film, and use it in a way to pique your interest and provide a clue as to what they are talking about, which I won't give away any more clues to because it's a great aspect of the film. Nothing really stands out about how the film does its shots, really. It is just well executed and doesn't draw attention to its camera use. One shot in the film I really enjoyed was from the perspective of one of the main girls, and really did a great job of telling the story and switching perspective to whose perspective is important in the moment. Like I have highlighted so many times before, the slow reveal is what truly makes this film a masterpiece on the whole. But the small scenes invoke in the audience the same emotion that our main character must be feeling so well throughout I have to mention it. My favorite scene in the whole movie comes after the climax and is just when our main character is meeting the parents of her boyfriend for the first time. It is such a drastic change in mood and you can't help but get just as annoyed as she does with their conversation that just drones on. Like holy crap, I really really want the scene to just be over while watching it. You just sit there watching the awkward encounter as our main character sits there silently dreading the whole process and progressively becoming more annoyed as you yourself become annoyed. Many films would have presented boring conversation for a little and then went back to entertainment, but this film bores to fantastically make the point of the character's emotion. Anyway, if I haven't convinced you already, the film is great. It won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival in the year of its release, it uses a beautiful and unique method of storytelling, and has a story that will make you question your own views and maybe leave you having a little bit more sympathy for some of the other people that inhabit this big, beautiful world we all love and hate. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Eye on the Triangle and Snowverated. Four months, three weeks, and two days is a little harder to find out there physically, but you can stream it for sure. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I'm Jake Winters, and once again, thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. You are listening to Eye on the Triangle on 88.1 WKNC. The time is 5.40, and I'm Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan. I'd like to take some time now to remind you guys about our Double Barrel Benefit, which is coming up February 24th and 25th. It's our annual benefit concert, and it helps support our radio station. Yeah, it's a really exciting concert. Uh, It's going to be 8 p.m. for Doors, all ages. Um, Some of the exciting bands that they've got on night one are DJ PayPal, Ace Henderson, Zen SoFly, and Sand Pact. It's it's always a lot of fun. Second night. It's going to be Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, Seagulls, Infinity Crush, and Astro Cowboy. Like I said a couple of times, Seagulls, first album I ever reviewed on this show. Uh, that's going to be a great lineup. I don't think anybody wants to miss that. It was certainly a lot of fun last year. Also, it's a variety of genres, which is always interesting to expand your music tastes. Yeah, we're doing something new this year with that. Uh, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers is apparently a little like folksy country. Yeah, yeah. I believe we have some EDM DJs and hip-hop DJs on the first night. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, yeah, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, King's Barcade, $12 in advance for one night, $14 night of. Or you can get both nights for $20 in advance by ordering online or here at the station. You can get those tickets online at wknc.org slash dbb14. 
Uh, and yeah, you can pick them up at the station, uh, or I think we do will call. I'm not sure, but you can always find out more on our website. Yeah. So, so now- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can tell we're experienced radio hosts. Marissa, I'm going to hand it over to you for uh, this day in history. Okay, cool. So we've got a couple dates today. So in 1587, Mary, Queen of Scots, was beheaded. And in 1525, Peter the Great dies. These are some very cheery facts we've got going on. Super peachy. And in on this day in 1887, Pres- President Grover Cleveland signs the Dawes Servality Act. Into- Severalty, I believe Severalty? that is. Severalty, okay. <laughs> Not a huge history buff myself. Um, the act split up reservations held communally by Native American tribes into smaller units and distributed distributed these units into individuals within the tribe. I cannot blame you for that. That was a tongue twister. It was. But um, I thought that was an interesting fact, since most people probably do not remember what that act was from their AP U.S. history class. Which is obviously the only history class that anyone ever takes. Thank you, Marissa. <laughs> um, it is. It does go into detail. So, Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's this day in history for you. And that about does it for this week's show. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. It really is beautiful this week. We say it a lot, but it's, oh, it's so nice out. It's nice and warm. It's going to be like like that for the rest of the week. I'm very happy. As always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. I'd like to thank our contributor, Jake Winters, as well as the rest of our team here. Um, our intro and outro music is Connie by L1011. For I Am the Triangle, I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Nick Weaver, wishing you all a great Wednesday afternoon.